Have you asked Jesus for something and it didn't come to pass? Have you prayed with expectation and the answer didn't come? How is it in John chapter 14, which we're going to be today, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 14. If you have your phones, you can go to the our Grace Capital Church app and find the Bible on the Grace Capital Church app, or if you have the Bible app already, you want to go there together. I would encourage you, bring your physical Bible if you have one. There's something about underlining it, something about as God is speaking to you. Bring a notepad, bring a pen. I feel like the, the, the Spirit of God is wanting to engage us in deeper ways. So when this question is, we pray and God doesn't answer, and yet we have a scripture like this in John chapter, sorry, John chapter 13. Are we in 13 or 14? John chapter 14. I'm glad you're tracking with me. I'm glad you're tracking with me. It says this in verse 13, whatever you ask, can you say it together? Whatever you ask, whatever you ask, in my name, this I will do. If you ask anything, verse 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Can you say anything? So, how can it be that we've prayed, that's a something, he tells us to ask anything, so we pray with this something, and this anything that he says he will answer, it doesn't get answered, what happened? Have you been there? Have you thought about that? When I was in second grade, I was reflecting back at this life, how old was I? It's, the memory is so lodged in my mind, I, I, I can see exactly where my bed was in my room. I remember one night in second grade going to sleep and I put a little chair near my bed. I must have heard this somewhere that if you ask that he would receive. And I think if there's another scripture, he says, what father, if you ask for a loaf of bread, will give you a scorpion, right? I remember that. And so it, as a little boy in second grade, I'm thinking, he says that we should ask for bread and he will provide anything for us that we ask. So I put a little table, a little chair by my bed. And that night I earnestly prayed, God, I know that when I wake up, there'll be a loaf of bread beside my bed. <laughs> and guess what? I was filled with faith and excitement, anticipation, and I woke up. <gasps> there was nothing there. I have to say I was very disappointed. And I was almost like, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? After all, that would be for a little kid, that would be an amazing thing to build my faith, right? And it didn't happen. How many times? That's simple, and that's, that's a, a child's point of view from that. But you've gone through difficult things in life, praying for illnesses and praying for kids and praying for a job and praying for to be pregnant and praying for those, those deep things in life, and it didn't happen. Where's God? And how do you reconcile that if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it? Well, today, I'm going to try to help us make sense of that. We first want to go before we answer that question, though. There's so much good things, so many good things in this uh, chapter that I, I do want to spend a little time with you on. 
Starting in verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? I share that scripture at funerals often. Because it does give us hope to realize that we're not living for this world. We're living for another world. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. And this is not our final home. We're sojourners passing through to our life in eternity with our Father in heaven. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am, you may also be, may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. And so here, Jesus, this is his time before his death and resurrection. This is after the Last Supper that he has shared his last meal with his disciples, begins to let them know that even though he's going to die, even though that they are going to die, that he has prepared a place for them. That's comforting, right? I hope so. That we realize that he is preparing a place. Now, he says he's coming back as well. So... We at Grace Capital Church talk about we're getting ready to meet Jesus face to face. And that might be his return to earth, which he will, and he'll reign for a thousand years. He comes back to earth. Or it might mean that when we pass from this life to the next, we'll have an opportunity to meet Jesus face to face. And what we're doing is getting ready to do that. Because we all want to hear that well done, good and faithful servant. He goes on to then say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 5, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus is making his claim to not only has, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father, which is, again, this is why we put our attention to Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, except through Jesus. So when you think about other world religions, I was, when I was in Turkey, in that um, Antioch, old name for, for that city in Turkey, it was very, um, had a lot of Muslims there, and you heard the call to prayer multiple times uh, on the loudspeakers there. And I, I've often wondered, how is it that people can be so devout, so faithful in their daily prayers, and yet miss that Jesus is the only way. Miss that Jesus is the only way. Then it goes on to say in verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. All right, this is, a, this is an interesting verse. Think about what Jesus did. Jesus rose, some, rose somebody from the dead. He caused a blind person to see. He cast out demons. Um, he healed the sick. And yet he says, now greater things. Not only will we do what he did, but greater things will we do. Well, wait a second. If Jesus is God, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He and I are one. And we can kind of say, okay, well, that's Jesus because he's God, right? He can do those things. But wait a second. Wait. He's saying that we, how many people believe that you can do what Jesus did? 
How many people have raised somebody from the dead? I know I've shared this story before, but for those of you who haven't heard it, I was at a fu- in a funeral home once, and I snuck into a side room where there was a dead body. Again, my faith is like, I'm, I'm now I'm reverting back to thinking this is like the same situation in which the little loaf of bread. And I was like, the scripture says that I can do this. So I sneak off. I said, wouldn't it be awesome if I pray for this dead man and he comes back to life? And so I go over there. There's nobody in the room, but just the, the dead person in his casket, which they must have been getting ready to have some sort of, and I put my hand on him and I said, Lord, I know you can bring him back to life. And guess what happened? He started twitching. And I'm lying. That's a sin. Do not sin in church. (laughs) Nothing happened. Nothing happened. I was so disappointed. So disappointed. I thought, I will give Jesus all the credit for it. If it just, like, he came back to life. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? All of a sudden, the dead man is running around the funeral home. And I get to say, it's Jesus. He can raise people from the dead. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. But does it mean that it can't happen? Just because it didn't happen doesn't mean it can't happen. And and here it is, that if Jesus says it, red letters in my Bible, Jesus saying, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these who will do it because I am going to the Father. All right, so this section also relates to the big question of the next section, which is our big question of knowing, you know, if we pray, anything he will do, and we're wondering, why does that not happen? Same thing. Why have we prayed for the miraculous, and we don't see the miraculous sometimes when Jesus has said it? Going on, we're going to answer these questions in a moment says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That, I think for us as Christians, we, we understand grace, which is we know that we're not perfect. We are sinners, like I just was, lying to you. <laughs> and, and yet we know his grace, but yet sometimes we just get so lackadaisical in our pursuit of Jesus, understanding his grace forgives us, that we stop pursuing actually what this verse says is if we love Jesus, we would long and we would do what his word says to keep his commandments. Some of you, that's, gonna, that's a challenge for you right now. I think some of you maybe even just heard that differently for the very first time here. That really, if, if I really are to love Jesus, that I desire to keep his commandments... This is not about a do's and don'ts thing of like, I'm going to discipline myself to do. No, it's kind of like, it's a relationship, right? He's saying, if you love me, it's like if you're married and, you're, and you do things for your spouse because you do them because you know it makes them happy. And so you do it because out of that love relationship. Spouse, it's a good thing to do that every now and then, right? You just do things you don't want to do because you love them so much. That's a good thing. All right, moving right along. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Can you say helper? So 
here we go. Now things are going to start tying together a little bit of these unanswered questions. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells within you and will be in you. He dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells with you and will be in you. So here we go. The Spirit of God, called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, called the Holy Spirit, when you ask Jesus to be a part of your life, indwells you. We do know in the book of Acts, when, the, when there was kind of a greater fullness of the Holy Spirit that came in the upper room, and it gave people the empowerment to not only follow his commands, but to preach boldly and, and gave them like this supernatural good God juice. <laughs> it was just kind of like filled them overflowing that all of a sudden things changed in their life. And they realized that they had the ability to do all the things that Jesus did. I think when we think that somehow we have it in ourselves to do the things that Jesus did, we miss the point. It's going to do two things. One, we try to do on our own strength. And then number two is we try to do it our own strength and the Holy Spirit hasn't initiated. It's not going to happen. Like my story. The Holy Spirit did not give me any unction to go pray for a dead man. <laughs> Hence, why there is no dead man walking. <laughs> But if the Spirit of God came upon me and said, Mark, I want to use you to pray for a dead person to come alive, I guarantee you that that dead person would come alive. Amen. Why? Because the same Spirit that dwells inside of me is the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. And if that Spirit dwells in us, it's the same Spirit was, which hovered over the waters at creation. Whoa, there's a big thought. The same spirit that, that when Jesus spoke brought things to life whew, inside of me, yes, inside of you, inside of you and I is that same spirit. And so when the spirit of God speaks and when the spirit of God gives us unction, we can ask anything in his name and it will be done. But what happens is we start asking things not with the Holy Spirit's backing. <laughs> we ask it on our own strength. We ask it on our own volition. We ask it in our own way without asking the Holy Spirit to be the one behind it. This is why I've come to realize that, that it's so important to live a Spirit-filled and Spirit-led life. Because that's where it all comes together is realizing that we, don't, we can't do it on our own flesh because we're going to mess things up pretty royally. We can't do it on our own strength because we don't have enough strength. We can't do it in enough power because we don't have the power. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us the power. It's the Holy Spirit who initiates. So our job is then to, send, to spend time with the Father, to spend time in prayer and in devotion, and to spend time training our ears to how to hear from the Holy Spirit. And then when we are responding to what the Holy Spirit is saying, we can ask anything in his name and he will do it. Because the anything that we're asking is alignment to what his spirit is saying. 
See, Jesus, if we were to take Jesus as the model, because Jesus says you can do everything that we saw Jesus do, but what did Jesus do? He went away early in the morning to pray, to hear what the Father was saying to him. And Jesus says, I only did what I saw and heard the Father do. I want to encourage you, church, today that we begin to live this spirit-filled and spirit-led life that we will begin to do the very things that Jesus has said that we're able to do through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the unction of the Holy Spirit initiated by the Holy Spirit. We are just the vessel. We are just the vessel. I want to just keep reading here for a few moments in, uh, as I get ready to close. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. This is Jesus' words saying, speaking this, red letters in your Bible. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrances that everything that I have said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, when the helper comes, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you the ways of Jesus. He will teach you how to walk as a spirit-led person. You don't have to conjure up anything on your own. He is the advocate, the helper, the teacher, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, the one who empowers. I know for me, when I was in my early 20s, and I, as you heard from my little second grade story, that, that I obviously knew God, right? I had a desire to somehow be connected. In my teenage years, I had very little interest. I, even though I sang in the choir, I was in the youth group, I was following my own fleshly ways. But in my early 20s, I, I asked this question. Now really what I was, I, I realized it wasn't a salvation issue for me. It was a lack of connection issue. That I said, God, if you're real, you need to prove yourself to me. And really what I was saying is, God, you feel so distant to me. I want you close. And it was in that moment, a friend of my brother's came over to my house and said, could I pray for you? But but I encountered, I won't go into that story, but I encountered the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Didn't even really know what the Holy Spirit was, but I just knew all of a sudden God was out there and he came close to here. And it was that after that moment that, I, that my desires changed and the word of God came alive to me and then I felt like, man, everything changed. The colors were more vibrant. My, my life just was completely different. It wasn't a salvation issue, it was a relationship issue that I was longing for. You might be feeling here today, it's like, you know God, but you know, I don't really feel connected to him. And what that is, is I'm going to pray for you today that you would encounter a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because we should have confidence to know that we can ask anything in his name and that, that we can do the things that he's done, but it's out of a relationship that we first hear and initiated the Spirit of God speaking to us and motivating us to say, we're coming into alignment with what God is already doing. 
And we're not initiating it of our own strength and feeling like, oh, I've got to be a good Christian. I've got to do these things. I've got to like check some boxes. And he's saying, no, 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 no. You just need to be in a relationship with me because I love you and I want to be close to you and I want to empower you and I want to equip you and I want you to be my sons and daughters in this world seeing redemption take place. To see hope restored. To see reconciliation between relationships. To see a broken and hurting world be restored. Uh, I am concluding. Here we go. I want to read this one last verse. Jesus says in verse 30, I will no longer talk much with you, talking to his disciples, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This, this section is really important. It says, I will no longer talk much with you, not that part, this part, for the ruler of this world is coming. Now, you might be thinking, okay, ruler of this world is coming, so Jesus is riding, going to be riding on a donkey you know, a little bit further on in this account, the next day really of his life. The triumphal entry, is, is this the ruler of the world he's talking about? No, the ruler of the world that he's talking about is actually Satan. He says, the ruler of this world's coming. He has no claim on me. And I, and I want to let you know that the, the enemy has no claim on you, church. The enemy has no claim on you. But yet he is a ruler of the world. I thought Jesus is the ruler of the world. Jesus has ultimate authority, yes. But Satan has authority in this world. As Christians, as Christ followers, we have been removed out of the dominion of darkness and brought into light. Now we're sons and daughters of light, following our King of kings and Lord of lords, our Savior, Jesus Christ. But the rest of the world is functioning under the ruler of the world, which is the ruler of darkness that is, wants to kill, steal, destroy. So while you're starting to see this world darkening and you're starting to see this division happening even in our own country and you're starting to see wars and, and rumors of wars and when you're starting to see a, a darkening culture take place, we have to realize that there is influence, powers and principalities that are influencing those things. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So you don't have to walk around afraid and, oh, the, the boogeyman Satan's going to get me. No, you, you walk with confidence, knowing that greater is he, the Holy Spirit that is in me, who rose Christ from the dead, than he, Satan, who has his dominion on this earth. But our job is to take over his dominion and bring the kingdom of God into this place to see restoration, reconciliation, wholeness. And hope through Jesus Christ. So yes, this world is beginning to darken. Which means the hope of Christ in you, the light that you carry of that hope will shine brighter. That's why on Super Bowl Sunday like it is today. That you're going to pray that the Holy Spirit would use you today. As the Spirit leads, not in your flesh, as the Spirit leads, you're going to be asking the question, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? I want to come in alignment with that. 
that you're going to speak the hope of Jesus Christ. And then as, as people are getting concerned about spy balloons and more earthquakes and more division and more darkness and more fighting and a cashless society, you, you, you don't have to be concerned. Yes, you will have troubles in this world, but he has overcome those troubles. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.